the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 128, recorded Saturday, February 1st, 2014. Smart Junk. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing Scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. Hi, my name is Tim Albert. I'm your host. Uh, with us this week, uh, you know him as Big Nate, but he uh, has a real job uh, besides being a fabulous and rather successful YouTuber. Uh, he's the AV designer with ImageStream Medical. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the kind words. Oh, dude, anybody that has as many or views and downloads as you... You've got, what was it, over a million now already on your YouTube channel? Yeah, com coming up to 1.3 million views, and I actually just broke 3,000 subscribers last week. That's so that was cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. If you, if you get a chance, we'll put on a link on the web, on the on the episode page. Nate does, his his handle is, is Big Nate How To, because that's what he shows you. The YouTube channel is, is how to do different things, and uh, and uh, you recently went through a move, and so you got, you've, you've put some up since the move, is that right? Yeah, actually, just this morning I was working on my next little mini-series all about DVD ripping. So probably later today I will make those videos go live, and I've got four videos about DVD ripping. But yes, you're right. Since I moved into my new place, you can you can see I no longer have my pegboard with all my different cables behind me anymore. So um, I actually have an office upstairs that's not in a basement, which is kind of cool. Um, you can see but yeah, just... Exactly. Exactly. Just uh, just transitioning to uh, you know my new place over here, settling back in again, ramping things up again for 2014. So excited cool. for it. All right. Uh, and also with us a uh, well, I should say I almost said a, a fellow technology manager, but I'm not one anymore. <laughs> so uh, I'll explain what that means in a second. Aaron Wilson, an enterprise AV professional. How are you, sir? Doing as one could do in this snowy, cold weather in the Midwest. Ah, uh, yes. We're supposed to get 12 inches on Tuesday, so <laughs> not that, you know, we should talk about the weather. Well, real quickly, and not that this is a sports or sports AV podcast, but anybody have any dog in the in the, in the, in the hunt on this uh, Super Bowl weekend? Uh, besides, you know, Nate's a big Patriots fan, so, you know. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big Patriots fan, so obviously – little bummed still that they played horribly against the uh, Denver Broncos. But, you know, I'm excited to watch the game. I think it's yeah. going to be a heck of a game. Um, I really could go either way. You know, if the Seahawks win, they've got the best defense. And then if if, if the Broncos win, they've got the best offense. So um, I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. But uh, I definitely will be tuning in. Yeah, as they used to say, the defense wins championships. So that, that – Oh, that's a precursor. I, I personally hope it isn't because I'm a big fan of Manning more than anything. Mr. Wilson, you have anything? I got a... my money on the Lions. Oh, wait. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. <laughs> God, do you guys have a head coach yet? <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, I'll catch up on who's playing tomorrow. I don't know, probably about an hour before the game. Mr. So. Wilson and I will go round and round because I'm a, I'm a rabid Bears fan. So, you know, 
Not that we did much except for hand the uh, the NFC North title to Green Bay this year, but that was fun to watch. So, <laughs> and gives Cutler an ungodly amount of money for too many years. That that's also my opinion. So. <clears throat> Anyhow, uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about this week, and, and you know, stop boring people with uh, you know all this stuff. Uh, first of all, Avenue Alliance uh, the, has their very first certified products. Uh, that's kind of cool, and, and we'll talk about who it is and what it is. I'm um, actually I got to talk to the folks uh, there at the uh, Avenue Alliance, and and uh, what the pre, the people from uh, their first one. The Savant has a new CEO. It didn't take long. Uh, we'll talk about why, uh, what, what he's talking about, and whether or not Savant is the Apple for home automation. Uh, Facebook is making use of Blu-rays, uh, which is interesting, and Sony has been downgraded to a junk bond. Anybody surprised at that? Anybody? <laughs> nope. Didn't think so. Okay. No takers. No takers. Uh, but first, on the heels of ISC, which uh, if for those of you and for those of us uh, who are not headed to uh, bright, sunny Amsterdam uh, in the end of uh, January, 1st of February, I actually wish I was going. It's, it's a neat show. Uh, it's, it's, it has consistently been one of the bigger AV shows in the world um, in the last couple of years. You can make arguments as to why that is. The fact that it's, it's a partnership between ISC or between uh, Infocom and Cedia. You know, so you've got both of those aspects. It's the fact that you've got uh, the emerging, you know, the emerging markets, but you've got the established markets of Europe and the Middle East. Uh, you've got Russia coming in there and um, parts of Asia as well. There's a whole lot of reasons. Uh, it's also the first, technically the first um, uh, big pro AV uh, show of the calendar year. I mean, obviously depends on where you, you where you put your calendar some people put their fiscal in in June and in that case you know infocom is the first one uh, but uh, before we you know all of that as ISE is, is gearing up Crestron has unveiled an interesting little controller and I say interesting or they unveiling it next week it's a compact three series controller for a thousand bucks now that's the retail and uh, as I'm quickly learning uh, in my first week on my job as an integrator, as opposed to a, uh, a technology manager, <laughs> thousand bucks is what you know. I'm not going to say how much it is, but that's not what you're going to end up paying, right? So let's just call it a sub thousand dollar Series Three processor. Uh, Aaron, we're going to kick this off with you first. When it comes to not just home automation, because that's how they're that's how the article is kind of couching it, but I'm seeing this as a, a game changer in terms of classrooms in terms of boardrooms where you know what because everything is moving to ip you don't necessarily need this big honking mamma jamma pro 3 or av3 or a big processor uh to have you know 10 or not really 10 but you know seven uh rs232 ports and this that and the other you can have something like this still has a series 3 processor which is which is their their newest uh, and latest greatest processor all for under a thousand dollars how big of a deal is that no, it's. Uh, I was excited to see this. Um, one thing I initially uh, skipped on the article was it's uh, it's powered over Ethernet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so slapping this under a conference room table, maybe in a in a room where you don't have an AV equipment rack, you want to control a flat panel that's on a wall, with maybe a video conferencing unit on top of it, and maybe a projector in the room. You've got a pretty minimal room. You could easily slap this under a table, hide it in one of the you know like a steel case uh, cubby on one of the tables and uh, powered over the ethernet connection, which is 
going to control the touch panel that's already on the Ethernet and already control the video conferencing unit that's on the network. And so I was excited to see this. So um, I'll most likely be picking one up once they become available because um, the MC3 was already fairly inexpensive, and this makes it even even less expensive to get the powerhouse of a uh, Crestron control system into a, into a room. Yeah, that that was what I was seeing as well, is the fact that you've got, you know, yeah, the MC3 was neat. Uh, MC3 had some weird things, though. It, it wasn't mm. entirely... <laughs> the the whole weird component input is still weird to me. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, if, you're right. It's a, it's a sub-thousand dollar, you know, powerhouse. Uh, Nate, when it comes to this and, and, and just trying to uh, further give folks, you know, some pretty powerful processing tools. Uh, how big of a deal is this for, for Crestron to come in under under $1,000? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely caught my attention. Um, you know, as an AV designer, this is this is a nice little tool to, to fit in your tool belt that can, you know, maybe solve some problems for, for somebody who's looking to, you know, stash equipment uh, somewhere in a room that maybe they can't fit a rack or maybe they're limited to, you know, a tiny little credenza and they have to fit everything into this tiny little credenza. This is going to be a nice form factor to, you know, have in your tool belt and to still give you, you know, the, the relays, uh, uh, the 232 com ports, um, and, and everything else that, that comes with it, like Crestnet and well, don't, uh, don't, POE. Don't, don't give them too much credit, Nate. It's one com port. <laughs> okay, so it's not, you know. Oh, did I say com ports plural? Plural. Yes, it has one oh. COM port, so that means it has one more than a DMPS. Just I will issue a public apology and say that I misspoke. <laughs> no, so. I'm joking. You know what? That's one thing that, that irks me about the DMPS line in general. There's two freaking COM ports. I mean, yeah. what was it? The CP, the CP, one, line, one of the lines of the CPs, and again, it, it, this is probably five, seven years ago, they had like three or four, and, and still, you know, the fact you can't put one more stinking COM port actually have a job that's really rubbing me the wrong way. I'm trying to, anyhow, so. Uh, well, you know what's rubbing me the wrong way about Crestron, just to, uh, to while we're there, is the, the, the Pro 3. Yeah. They they changed up. So so moving from the Pro 2 to the Pro 3, um, they moved from, you know, uh, nine-pin com ports to Phoenix. But see, I loved that. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I, I love the Phoenix. Yeah. Hear me out. Hear me out. Don't hate I, the I, Phoenix. I think the Phoenix is good. I just hate where they put the ground because it messes up all of our standard wiring details uh, okay. that now have to be redrawn. All right, all right. So I just wanted to, to, to get that out there because that was kind of like, oh, sweet, we got a Phoenix connector. Oh, wait a minute. Ground is pin one. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. So. I mean, pin is, you know, ground is pin five, always. Sorry. Yeah, that would have that would have been a little bit nice, but yeah. uh, anyway, that's my that's my dig on the Pro 3. Is it at least in the documentation somewhere or do you have to call tech support to find that out? Oh no, it's 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 right. It's I think clear. it's printed on the back, isn't it? Yeah, Is it? it's okay. clear. Yeah, very clear. Yeah. But just a pain, you know, to have to re redo all that. Since we're ripping on our fine friends from Rockley, New Jersey, I'll give you one more. Uh, I was we're, we're in the process of doing a lecture hall in a in a hospital, and we're using a TSW, nice, sexy, gorgeous, huge uh, uh, touch panel. Um, inexpensive for the size and everything, you know, powered over Ethernet, and, and I'm, I'm really loving the whole, you know, control over Ethernet and the speed of that. Um, there's not a way to lock it down currently. <laughs> like, it's it's connected. It, it, we're, it, we're, we're wall mounting it, right? And so, you're, you know, you've got this little back box with these magnets, 
and that's how it sticks to it. And uh, our project manager called me yesterday. He's like, hey, um, is there a way to make this not takeable? <laughs> like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, well, you, you just kind of stick it to the wall, and there's just magnets there. And I said, yeah. He goes, that's it. He's like, I could walk up right now and just pop it off and no big deal and stick it in my pocket. I'm like, yeah, but first of all, these are doctors and nurses. And secondly, you're not going to have a use for it. But yeah, I had to call tech support yesterday and they said, yeah, we're working on that. Either either going to release uh, uh, like a, a, a post-construction uh, kit or just come up with a new touch panel altogether. So. Well, that's an interesting problem. What about uh, the technology they use at junkyards to pick up like old cars and stuff? Maybe they can uh, get some sort of <laughs> electromagnet lock that they they turn up the ju- the juice when the, the room shuts down or something. Yeah, you could do that. You know, electro electromi- or uh, electromagnetic magnetic magnet, um, and you could put a relay on it and shoot it out. You know, probably that- waste so much energy it wouldn't be worthwhile. No. But just- that's what they use to secure door locks, usually, or, yeah. or, the, or the magnetic lock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't have to look well, into that. Well, here's the thing: it's not like you know, this is an old 17-inch quick media touch panel. I mean, the, the cost-wise, <laughs> quick media. No, it's serious. You remember those? You remember those things? First of all, they're they're 15 and 17 inches, and secondly, they were like list price 18 grand. Uh, <laughs> this thing is nowhere near that. So, you know, I was. I, um, um, besides, if you did that with this with this processor, you would be taking away one of your two relays. So then all you could do is send the screen down and not back up. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Avenue Alliance has their very first certified product. It is, drum roll, an extreme network switch. Now, uh, first of all, a little thing about a, about AVB and the Avenue Alliance. Uh, I am unapologetically uh, bullish on AVB. Um, yes, there is no V to speak of currently, uh, except for on show floors, right? Barco was, was had some some serious video going on um, with AVB last year at the Avenue Alliance uh, Pavilion and Infocom, uh, but there's none in the wild. At least not that, not that I'm aware of. I've not seen any. Um, but everything that I've seen and read and, and experienced over the last 12 months with AVB, very, very bullish uh, about this. And they've finally gotten this down. They've finally gotten it together. Uh, it's at the University of New Hampshire, which gives, first of all, if you're using a university facilities to do this, it gives it some credibility. And it's not, you know, two guys in the back room uh, with a multimeter saying, oh, yeah, it works. Um, so that's kind of cool. Secondly, it's a switch that's the first thing. So that's important, right? Uh, it's, it's, the, you know, it's, it's the middle point between the talkers and the listeners and everybody else and, and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, in talking with the guys this week um, from the Avenue Alliance, the one thing that, that kind of caught my ear was the fact I said, okay, great, you've worked on this for a year now. You've got your first product. Congratulations. Is it going to take a year for every product? Uh, they say no. Right, they say no. They say once the, the process, because the process is up and running, and they've got it in extreme. It has the uh, the uh, the uh, honor of being the first product. They say a week to get products through their system. Uh, Nate, first of all, first question for you: Is it important to have AVB products certified by the alliance, certified by the folks that are doing it? Uh, and if it is, you know, how big of a deal is it? Uh, for them to ramp this up to have things coming out a week at a time. 
Yeah, this is. I think this is a huge deal, and I think it's very important that um, Avenue Alliance, uh, you know, certifies their products so that it, it is up to par. Um, you know, the the thing about AVB that is unique is that it's it's basically an Ethernet upgrade. So this this isn't like some other types of transport technology, but this is a set of, you know, four IEEE standards um, that that will upgrade the Ethernet spec to expand um, what it can do. And, and, and the, the big thing that it's bringing to, to Ethernet is sync information or yeah. time information. You know, it's, it's, it's adding a little bit of information into, um, from what I understand, the, um, the header of each packet. And it's, these switches are basically, you can think of them as smart switches. So when you do have um, audio and video that needs to be in sync, it's going to give that information priority or quality of service over other things that are running on that same network. So f for me, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I don't know how fast it's going to be uh, taking off, but I definitely think it's going to be a winner over the long term. And, you know, I, I, was, I was speaking to um, Greg Schlechter from Intel. And he's, mm -hmm. he's one of the Avenue members. And, um, you know, the way he, he was describing it is that, you know, someday we're going to look back and say, wait a minute, there was a time when Ethernet didn't have sync information? Like, that's crazy, yeah. you know? So um, I definitely think it's going to be the way things go long term. The common dig, as you said, it, you know, it's mostly just used for audio right now. It's not being used for video. But, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of things are going to change. And, you know, the Avenue Alliance or AVB is to Ethernet kind of what Wi-Fi was to Ethernet. Remember when you had all those different 802 dot whatever standards, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then Wi-Fi kind of brought them all under the same roof. Um, that's that's what the Avenue Alliance is trying to do. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, in, in your world and in my former world, when it comes to you know working with networks and working with uh, oh, let's just put it out there, IT and AV uh, departments. Um, sometimes it's interesting, right? Uh, and kudos to Extreme Networks for having the first switch out there. Uh, but there's a name that everybody, well, everybody, the people that are, are bullish on AVB um, have been waiting on, and that name is Cisco. Uh, yeah. there, 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 there is a rumor, um, and I've propagated it because I heard it and it sounded right, that there is a firmware switch and that really that Cisco's kind of waiting in the wings for this to take off, and once it gains speed, They'll flip a switch, and there you go. Uh, at least the last the Cisco switches from the last year will be uh, will be AVB um, enabled, not certified necessarily, but they'll, they'll at least have the ability to do AVB. Uh, when it comes to net, when it comes to you know classes and um, universities and um, Fortune 500 companies, is that kind of where we're waiting on? Is is somebody like Cisco or like Intel, somebody that has the 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 IT chops to say this is good and, and here's our stamp? Oh, definitely. Because if you look at, if you look, and, and really that was my the, my first thought when I when I read the article was, oh great, it's not Cisco that is certified, so that means nobody's going to use it in the enterprise environment. <laughs> no. And then my second thought was, hopefully this does start the uh, light of fire under Cisco's butt. Um, and it's good if that is if that rumor is true that there uh, this is going to be enabled just by a firmware switch. Um, but if you look at what Cisco's doing as far as unified communications with with WebEx and video conferencing and being able to merge those technologies together um, and IP phones. This is just one more thing. If I, if I can uh, if I can put a stream of video and audio 
out onto uh, onto my Cisco network and then incorporate it into a video conference room automatically because I got Cisco hardware, Cisco endpoints. That's definitely a move in the right direction. Um, one thing that, now I don't know too much in detail about AVB just because HDBST is what I've been dealing mm-hmm. with mostly and AVB hasn't really produced a whole lot, but I'm curious how AVB differs from IG uh, MPV3 which Clear One has some of those devices, um, and Cisco's some of a lot of Cisco's uh, newer switches support it, and that's more or less AVB, where you can have a single source go to multiple destinations yeah. all via the network. So, Nate or Tim, I don't know if you know too much uh, um, about a compare and contrast between those te- te- two technologies, but I'm kind of curious why everybody's always looking at AVB, but not so much I. IGMPv3, which has been out there for quite a while, actually. No, I I I really don't know that the the details behind why IG, you know, uh, MPv3 isn't, uh, you know, more popular or more widespread. I I don't I don't really know too much about it, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, the, the the one thing about this though is you've got uh, Aaron mentioned uh, HDBase T, which which is point to point. Still has a lot. I mean, they, they've also got a, a certification process. And the the nice thing about HD base T, it's point to point, right? It it is what it is. Um, AMX it works. Is, it works. Yeah, it's out it, there. it just works. I can put my hands on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it it does. It works. It works as an extender. I've I've never heard anybody complain that HD base T has failed to to extend signals long distances. But the whole five play, I think it's you know maybe for maybe more for home theater use, but the five-play uh, feature set that they're trying to implement, I've heard uh, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. I think they're still working out the bugs with that. But well, as an extender, I would have to agree. Well, extended, it's rock but, I mean, solid. Here's the thing, though, guys. I mean, you've got AMX and Crestron's, uh, both of their HD video signal over twisted pair slash fiber is based on HB, HD base T. They're both based on the Valance chip, right? Uh, so what they're doing, you can—it's a stretch. So <laughs> stick with me here. Um, you can you can extrapolate a little bit and and you know give HD base T a little bit of credit on on what AMX and, and Crestron are doing, right? It's not HD base T. It's not those guys. It's it's it is Crestron's engineers that are making it happen. It is AMX's engineers that are making it happen. But the fact that they're using the Valance chip and they're using the base technology of HD base T. You, 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 it, it is uh, a little bit more than just an extender. I think the one thing, an interesting thing, and actually mentioning, you know, our, our boys in blue, they recently joined the Avenue Alliance as well. So that's kind of interesting to me, you know, what they're going to do with that. Uh, the week that it came out, we had Bradford Ben from Harmon on, and he made a good point. He goes, well, you know, it might just be the fact that, that Crestron is hedging their bets, right? They're, they're covering all their bases. They're saying, okay, you know what? Uh, we've got this HD base T stuff, and hey, there's there's thing over here that that may or may not you know kind of cook up. So let's you know, let's let's join these guys as well and, and see what's going on. Um, for people who are are more um, uh, optimistic about about eight, about uh, the uh, AVB, they see the the Crestron move as hmm you know maybe there'll be a, a DMPS with with AVBs someday. So. Well, and, and, and is AVB solving a problem? I just I haven't researched it too much because I've dealt with Cobernet as far as audio, packetized audio. Okay, there th- that solves a problem. Does AVB solve a problem? Because HD base T solved a problem with switching to digital. You know, we mm-hmm. need to go long hauls uh, with digital high resolution content. 
and then it also helps with um, uh, content uh, or protected uh, or content protected um, protection. Content protection. Well, I can't even think today. It's must be the cold weather. HDCP. Uh, yes, HDCP. Thank you. Um, so, what is AVB solving that maybe we don't already have out there? Like, what problem is it solving? Because I'm not seeing. I mean, if I can, if if I throw a class or a classroom or a conference room video and audio stream onto the network, okay. Am I going to grab it off the network and put it into other conference rooms? I mean, how does it help me inside of a inside of a building or inside of a, a school? Or I guess I don't see the the problem it's trying to solve, or is it trying to create a problem and then have a resolution for it? <laughs> it's I'm a not, good, no, it's a good. That's a valid question. That might be why it hasn't taken off. Is, yeah. You know, where where does it where how does it help me in my day job? It it doesn't actually. You know. Here's here's the thing, and this is where I would answer that from my own perspective. If you're doing a classroom, one classroom. Right, you've got a bunch. You know, you, you know, let's say you have a, a a podium that has a laptop and some other stuff, and you're going to send that over. You know, back to a a rack somewhere, right? And you've got some sort of touch panel. I don't care who you're using. Um, it's not going. There's not. There's not a problem there for AVB to solve. It's point to point, right? That's right. that right there is 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 lock, stock, and barrel. What HD base T is for. You have a, a situation. You have a a, a building or a uh, um. A uh, some sort of facility where you need to get one signal several places um, seamlessly while maintaining all the content protection that that everybody says that that we need to and don't I've heard really nasty rumors about the next the next round of of content protection uh, protocols um, that's the problem that AVB is 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 solving right it's one point to several locations. Um, just like Cobernet, right? Just like Cobernet, um, just like uh, several other audio protocols that allow you to send audio over the network, you've got one source and you want to send it several places and not worry about you know, DAs or not worry about anything, uh, uh, any of the uh, managed uh, DA, uh, not the managed DAing, but the, but the managed switching that sometimes has to happen with which HD base T and, and distributing, you know, distributing that. Uh, over several different things, you've got one source and you have uh, several destinations, and the only thing you have between it is a switch. So, in one classroom, absolutely not. You got no use for it. Um, in several classrooms or, or one presentation to several different areas, yeah, I, I think that's that's where they're going to really make uh, make their bones. So. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, that is a great question from Aaron. You know, what problem does it solve? And you know, I think. Today, it might not be a, a big problem, but uh, I think, Tim, I was thinking the same, right along those same lines, it's, it's you know, when you have, you know, a 10-room system, basically, or a facility that needs every room, and you've got, you know, 10 or more rooms that all need to talk to each other or talk to just a few of them or whatever, in, instead of the, um, the infrastructure required to pull a cable between each of those places or back to a head end you know you can hang each room on the network and i think i think that's going to be the big value add is is just having a beefy network installed and yeah. being able to use the network that's already there so I, I think really it's in the infrastructure on large scale uh projects is, is where you see avb um having the biggest positive impact but you know, it's also used in automobiles too. I think yes. BMW just got on board. So you know, it's not just that, but 
you know, it also supports wireless, so you can do, you know, wireless AVB too, or at some point in the future. I'm not sure where they are with that, but that's that's definitely in the works. So. That that was a, another interesting thing uh, in talking to these guys this week is is their they're very bullish on the number of auto manufacturers, GM, uh, GM is on as well, that have kind of grasped a hold of this thing uh, for not only uh, HD video, but all the other um, uh, the inner systems communication that needs to happen between you know the entertainment system and the fuel injection system and, and things that I don't understand because I'm not a car guy. Um, I know how to change my oil. That's about it. Uh, but they, they were saying, you know, uh, having all these different inner systems communications is really important right now because, you know, this and this and this. And so, yeah, that's kind of cool. So. Yeah, I knew I hadn't even thought about the communications aspect of it. When I thought of, you know, these car manufacturers, I'm thinking of, oh, getting audio and video yeah. routed around the car. But it's 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 more than just yes. that. So even even I have to change my thinking about it because, you know, I don't think I'm thinking about it rightly. Oh, I know. And that's, a, and that's a that's a cool approach. But, you know, if, if three years from now we're like, yeah, AVB is at the core of our cars and that's all we think of with AVB. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be much of a success. So, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, you are listening and uh, watching uh, AV Week. Uh, that gentleman right there, who was just you know saying, "Hey, Doug, yeah, AVB." Uh, Aaron Wilson, and also uh, Big Nate, Big Nate Snyder uh, from Big Nate Ask uh, or Big Nate How To. Uh, let's beat up on Sony for a second, and then we'll move on. Uh, Sony is on the ropes, according to the Register, after Moody's downgraded their bonds to junk. Uh, real quick. Uh, economics lesson here guys if your if your if your bond rating goes to and this is sony's japan that uh rated uh sony from a baa3 to a ba1 junk status means that a bond is not a worthy investment <laughs> attaining this status usually pushes up the cost of borrowing money for a company uh because it is seen as less likely to service its debts in other words <laughs> Sony is your friend who will never pay you back. Is what we're saying. Uh, Aaron, is this a okay? First of all, not that we use a lot of Sony, or not that that uh, you know um, technology managers use a lot of Sony anymore. But is this? A, I mean, is this just kind of the last death throes for Sony, or or can they come back from this? Well, I guess it depends on what what market you're talking about. Because as yeah. far as pro video goes, I, I'm a huge Sony fan. I love Sony. Uh, video cameras and the professional grade monitors, etc. So I would say, you know, you're, you're kind of speaking to uh, technology managers, but I mean, Sony's not going away in the pro video market whatsoever. Um, and I, I was kind of reading the article, and I didn't know if you know, when, I'm not a finance person by any means, but they said junk bond. I'm like, wait, is that the register just saying that, or is that an actual term? So um, I would no, say that's an actual yeah, term. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah, it's the register. So you get to take a look. No. <laughs> Um, so for the consumer stuff, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the movie and the, the media industry. Yeah. I could, I could see where they're not, where they were back in the eighties and early nineties. I mean, Sony Walkman, that was the thing to have. And, mm -hmm. and when you bought Sony made in Japan, you were, I mean, it was top of the line stuff, regardless of what they were putting out. Um, but now, uh, it, it almost seems like they need to maybe split up the company a little bit because, if they're getting a poor rating on the overall company, how is that going to affect maybe their their higher end equipment that is used by broadcasters and used in um, in the professional industry compared to 
or the consumer or the entertainment market. Um, I mean, I'd hate I would hate to see the professional market go away or start to suffer because they're getting poor ratings or they're doing things in in the uh, consumer market that aren't favorable to the company as a whole. Well, Nate, that that raises a really good question. Is it the fact that because Sony does have several different verticals? Uh, and they famously don't talk to each other. So, yeah. is this a case where you know one or two of their verticals that are going that are suffering could bring down the entire enterprise? Well, you know, I can really only speak for you know my personal experience with Sony. Like today, I mean, we can look back at the Walkman, you know, as Aaron mm -hmm. mentioned, and and look at these like kind of like awesome or glory days, so to speak, when they Data. had you know, <laughs> the best products. Yeah, and um, you know, to be honest, right now. My interaction with Sony on a regular basis is for the PTZ cameras, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. I just bought a dozen of them. <laughs> you <They're> know? <laughs> and and they, they work well, and we use them all the time. We spec them, and um, we're not really looking at anything else for the time being. But in addition to the PTZ cameras in the professional market, I don't know that we look to Sony a lot, at least, at least for what we're doing with – with integrated operating rooms, and I know that's kind of like a niche thing, but that's the perspective that I have. And um, the other, the other, uh, you know, perspective I have on Sony is is like their Blu-ray players, because I've got one in my you know family room, and um, it's kind of a junky little d device, to be honest with you. <laughs> it wasn't really too impressed. I mean, it's a Blu-ray player. What do you expect out of it? But um, I don't, I don't know. I hope that the the professional line, you know, sticks around, and they're they're not impacted too negatively by this, but. Um, you know, maybe yeah, maybe they divide up and you know have to break off into other. I, I have no idea how this stuff works. This is this is this is a, a big company, so there's a lot of inner workings. It is, and it's one of those companies that you never expect to to fold, right? And, and I'm not saying they're folding. Don't don't misunderstand that. Uh, but it is. I, I think it is in financial trouble, and I think it's been in financial trouble for a while. Uh, part of the reason is the fact that you know they they simply don't talk to each other. I mean, they've they've got several different verticals. Uh, you know, you have the pro, you have the entertainment, you have the consumer, you've got all these other things, uh, and they simply just don't, they don't communicate well. So, uh, all right, guys, from avforums.com, we're going to delve slightly into the, in the resi, resi and, and consumer electronics for a second. The global installed base of smart TV devices passed 1 billion in 2013, and according to them, will exceed two billion by twenty seventeen, according to research from Future Source Consulting. All right, big Nate, let's let's get into smart TVs for a second. First of all, is this a big deal? I mean, the fact that that smart TVs have crossed one billion. I mean, let's be honest here. If you go to Best Buy, you go to Amazon, or you go wherever wherever it is you go to buy your television, your flat panel, you're gonna have a hard time finding one that's not a smart TV, right? So is this a big deal, the fact that we've, we've hit the billion, the billion uh, smart TV mark? Yeah, I definitely think it's a big deal. You can't ignore the, uh, the billion there. <laughs> um, the, the problem is, so smart TVs or smart technology in general is, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, when somebody puts out a product and it has the, the word smart on it, uh, you never really know what you're going to get. It's like the Forrest Gump thing, you know. It's like opening up a box of chocolates. Some, so I think some companies can do smart TVs really well, and I've had great experiences with them. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Google TV, which mm -hmm. is, you know, essentially enabled by a set of smart TVs that actually I think Sony put out. Um, and, 
or I have a Logitech review that has uh, Google TV in it, but that's that's getting old now. It's time to upgrade. Um, you know, some experiences I've had with smart devices have been pretty bad, and so I wonder what I mean. You and I kind of can understand this because we work in this stuff all the time. But the general uh, average Joe out there, you know, I wonder if their perception of smart has been tainted by some of these awful user interfaces that are, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of thrown in there last minute, oh yeah, let's make this thing smart, and it, you know, it really doesn't have a good user experience associated with it. Um, but that said, there's a lot There's a lot you can do with a smart TV that's on the internet. It, it's just a lot more software and a lot more, uh, you know, user interface uh, types of technology that need to be uh, developed, I think, to get this to where um, it's, it's really more user-friendly. Yeah. And how are we classifying a smart TV? Because I guess when I think of smart TV, I think, all right, does it have Netflix and YouTube on it? And that's it. I mean, that's uh, what what else are we uh, what else are we using I the, well, the quote unquote smart TVs for? Well, that's the thing is is if it does it have some sort of connectivity, right? Does it have whether it's it's um, is it are there any sort of gesture controls in it? Um, does it have Angry Birds? <laughs> does it, you know. Uh, you know, Hulu would probably be on there, but I think you're right, Aaron. Does it have you know YouTube and, and Netflix, and then derivatives from there? You know, whether that right. again is is Hulu yeah. or what have you. Uh, and here's the other rub with smart TVs too. I mean, I, I, my parents asked me for advice on buying a TV, and I suggested a Samsung mm-hmm. because they're they're really well they're, they're they're doing really well, and I feel like they're putting out a pretty good product. And they they've got this Samsung, you know, smart TV. And we got it home only to find out you needed to buy like a sixty dollar dongle. Uh, to put in the back of it to really enable any of the smart features too. So there's, I don't know if we're we're we there might be a billion crappy units out there. I don't know if Have, there's like oh, a man, billion are we awesome to, units. Are we getting to smart enabled now or smart ready? Is that where we're at? Yeah, remember HD ready? No, I remember oh, 3D ready. HD yeah. ready. Oh, yeah. 3D ready. Okay. Well, they still they still have the Wi-Fi ready ones where they support Wi-Fi as long as you got the USB Wi-Fi adapter. I mean, I I just bought some TVs that are like that a few weeks ago. So it's it's still out there. So that yeah, are they classifying that as smart because if you didn't run a hardwire to it and you didn't buy the USB dongle to enable Wi-Fi, well, it's got the apps on there, but you're never going to use the apps if it yeah. doesn't have an internet connection. So they might box. be smart, but they're not using it in that way. And they got to come with some sort of keyboard because doing the point oh, and click yes. on your remote control and trying to like do a Facebook update, it's just it's no fun. Or or, or either that or or some sort of of halfway decent mobile interface right either uh, a an app on your your uh, your cell phone or an app on your tablet because you're right the, those keyboards are absolute you, you have to have some sort of keyboard because doing it, it with the interfaces is not happening uh really quick stupid snarky question though um do the guys that make smart boards get any money off of this or are they just getting screwed at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're not getting anything no all right let's move on uh, new hey, Savan has a new uh, new CEO, and uh, he's, he's asking or he's getting ready to answer the question: Is Savant Apple's answer to the smart home? I have no um, affiliation with 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 Savant. I I don't sell it. I've never programmed it. Um, I have used it. It's not bad. Uh, so I'll that those are the comments that I will make. Uh, I will let you two, though, um, load them up and fire away. Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, simple question. Is, is Savant um, 
is Savant the Apple for the home, home automation? Well, I'm not really a resi person, so I'm not going to be the best person to, to ask. But um, when I first when I first hear that question, I think Apple for the home, I think you've overpriced can't do what I want to do to control my home. So, <laughs> so I yeah, somewhat think of Crestron almost, but not so much. Because um, Crestron will let you do whatever you want. It's maybe overpriced. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the best person to ask because I'm, I'm happy with uh, either kind of going with, like, Logitech's controlling of your, like, your home theater um, or, I know, there's the X10 uh, debates in the past couple shows about controlling your home. But uh, I'm, I'm – Savant's almost middle of the road, right? It's not quite Crestron as far as price and, no. and feature set goes, but uh, it's a step up from like X10 or what Logitech might offer, what some of the other lower end stuff. Uh, but I'm not the best person to ask. I, I don't follow Savant in any way, and I don't I don't deal with residential installs. So can, <laughs> this is a total sidebar. Can, can we leave poor X10 alone? They're dead. Let <laughs> let them lie. Jeez, I'm sorry. You keep bringing it up in the show. I know. So I, I, I feel bad. I feel bad. And poor Harry Mead still hasn't running his lights. So, anyhow. Uh, all right, Nate. Well, when he uninstalls it, we'll stop bringing it there up. There we go. Show, so. You hear that, Harry? As soon as you stop you stop using X10. Uh, mm-hmm. Nate, is, are, is, is Savant the, uh, the Apple for the home automation? Oh man, you're gonna have to ask Jason Griffin about this one. He's he's the guy that I hear talk about Savant all the time because he comes from the uh, high-end residential world out. Then why Angeles. is he talking about Savant? I'm sorry, I'd say that out loud. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know what? From 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 that perspective, I hear this high-end guy out in L.A. talk about Savant and how he uses it all the time. So if it's popular in in Hollywood, then uh, you know maybe there's some truth to this uh, this article here. Yeah, there are some other things popular in Hollywood that I won't be doing, but that's just my little conservative <laughs> butt from uh, from the Midwest. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm again, just like Aaron, I'm not really a residential guy, so I don't have my head wrapped around Savant at all, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's applicable for the people with the money bags, but not practical for people like us. Well, that's the thing, though. That's that the, the weird thing away? is the fact that it's not that expensive, right? It's not that expensive from from everything that I because I have researched. So what is what does Apple have to do with it then? They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, that's where's the, the where's the Apple comparison. <laughs> I think the, the Apple comparison is the fact that you can't do everything you want, which is where you go back to, okay, if I can't do everything I want, then I might as well go with an AMX or a Crestron product um, or, or water. Or, or, you know what? I, I, I tell you what. Uh, I have been seeing a lot from uh, um, Command Fusion. Uh, I have a, a guy here in, in town that uh, he's a, he's a, he, was, he was a residential um, insul- uh, installer and integrator. And he opened up a bar, um, and uh, I went in and just, you know, uh, my wife and I went in for uh, for something to eat, and uh, he's t- doing this touch panel thing, and he's got like five racks um, in the back of the bar with, with the glass panel, you know, so he's showing the sucker off. And I just, you know, doing what I do, I'm like, okay, cool, you know, you, you, you're using Crestron. He goes, no, I'm using, using Fusion. I'm like, really? So the interface was very sexy. The interface was very nice. I've never, again, used it, but it's, it's another one of those control uh, systems that it kind of intrigued me, at least, kind of like Savant does. It's, 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 it's almost geared to residential. Yes, this guy was using it in a bar and grill, but that's, it's what he knew, right? It would be like if, if um, um, Randy Klein opened a, a bar, you know, he would use, he would use Crestron, but um, this is what this guy knew, and, and it, was, it was very, very impressive for what it was, so... That's probably where the residential market differs from the uh, the corporate or education market because with an integrator can deal with a one house and try something new and and customize it to the user's liking. Well, 
for education or corporate or, or whatever, it's not just one room. It's when you decide on something, it's going to be most likely for every room. Yeah. So you got to make sure you, you, you test it and, and create a standard around it. You do, except for there are certain parts, and, and this is this is the old, you know, the old. I was you know a technology manager last week for Crown Loud. Uh, I, I would I would go out on the limb on projectors, right? Uh, every once in a while, we, we were we were a big the, the college I worked for is still a big LCD house, and we brought in a couple of DLPs every once in a while just to do you know shoot comparisons and, and this that and the other. But you're right, Aaron. When it comes to control systems and it, when it comes to your asset management uh, systems, you're you're going to do a lot of testing. You're going to do a lot of hand wringing. You're going to do a lot of talking. That but once you pull the trigger, that's it, dude. You know, you're not going to do a whole lot of tinkering. So, uh, Commercial Integrator had a, a story about Panasonic and the Olympic Winter Games. Does anybody care? Nothing. Well, when I, when, I, when I saw that, I was like, wait, Christy's not doing the projectors for this Olympics? Uh. <laughs> and so, because it, it just, what I've taken away from AV stuff in the Olympics was back in China in 2008 with Christy. Yeah. I mean, they had the 150 or whatever uh, uh, projectors uh, in the bird's nest. So uh, when I saw the Panasonic thing, I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I looked, and wow, there's 7,000 security cameras mm-hmm. or whatever. And then I looked, and Panasonic was past sponsors for the Olympics. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah, Christy had a Christy. lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody really cares. Well, <laughs> and if you remember the uh, the opening Olympics for the uh, Beijing Olympics, the the uh, the uh, the OLED screens they had. Um, yep. Somebody correct me on this. I want to say it was LG, but I could be wrong on the on the people who made it. I don't remember. So, all right, and, and you're right, and it goes back to Sony. Actually, Panasonic is a company that has a lot of verticals. They have a lot of of products there, uh, from TV monitors to you know cameras to you know all sorts of stuff. All right, guys, last story here, and I'll let you go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we we talked about the fact that that Blu-ray may be on its way out, but uh, our friends and yours at the NSA. I mean, Facebook um, <laughs> is using Blu-rays for quote-unquote cold storage. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, a Blu-ray is roughly 50 gigabytes worth of information, uh, depending on how you process it. Um, I'm not going to get in debate about that, but roughly 50 gigs of, of information. Um, so it's not a bad idea. It's for stuff like backups of your, you know, your baby pictures and stuff like that. Um, Nate, is this something where maybe not Blu-rays, but something where you know, in in the AV world, when we're doing programmings, um, we should consider stuff like this when it comes to cold storage things that that maybe not that that you know, re- getting information back from maybe stuff that we don't have to get every single day, but every once in a while, you got to grab this module out and use it. Yeah. Okay. So so there there is some value here. I think it sounds kind of crazy. But I think at the core of, of what this article is talking about, about using 10,000 Blu-rays to you know store cold data, um, I'm still wrapping my head around it. But basically, I'm picturing when you walked into a restaurant and there was an old school jukebox with like the CDs like right in front of you, and you picked one, and mm-hmm. you know an arm came and popped the CD into the tray, and you had to wait five seconds, and another robotic arm came over here, and bit. so that's basically what we're talking about here, but with 10,000 Blu-ray discs. Um, I don't know. It's just, it seems like there's a lot of um, robotics going on to make this happen. Um, but, you know, on a simpler level, you know, something like 
an everyday user like you or, you or I could do. I think it, I think it is a good idea to put your baby pictures on a Blu-ray and tuck them away, make a couple copies, send a couple copies to grandma. You know, if you want to if you want to really have a solid backup, um, it's best to do it at least three places. You know, have maybe have a network drive, a USB drive, and then to to Blu-ray. And you know, th- I think three places and two locations and three different formats or something like that. There's there's all kinds of rules to uh, to to creating backups. And I just I just hooked up my uh, home studio. I have a network drive that now gets backed up to uh, a USB drive. And um, then, like I said before, I have like baby pictures and stuff on DVD. But um, I don't know if people are going to be buying Blu-ray cold cold storage machines anytime soon. <laughs> It, it might help save Sony. <laughs> Just, there you go. There you go. That's yeah. how we can save Sony. Uh, Aaron, is this a, is this a good idea? A bad idea to use uh, Blu-rays and and their fifty gig uh, capacity as as cold storage, as it were. Well, it's a, it's a interesting thing that they're working on because it reminds me a lot of what Google does as far as their servers. You know, they have these really inexpensive uh, servers that take up little room. I mean, they're in what they're in trailers, these modular trailers that yeah. they can just dump and deploy. So. Um, but if you, if you look at what RAID stands for, it's a redundant array of inexpensive discs. What's Blu-ray? <laughs> a bunch of inexpensive discs. It's so. not inexpensive. They're, 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 well, yeah, they're expensive. Oh, I'm sure Sony will give them a discount. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's interesting because they, they have a need to back up this data. Yeah. So they don't need to be accessible instantly. So you, you can, so they want to get away from a spinning disc. Okay. Makes sense. What's the tr- traditional method? Tape. Okay, tape. How long are we going to be on tape? And and a Blu-ray disc, I believe, holds the same as tape, if not maybe a little bit more. I guess it depends on if it's double-sided or, or what. Um, and so if they could keep the backups on site or even take them off site, but have them in a fairly compact um, enclosure, and sure, it's a little bit of robotics, but there's robotics with the tape backup systems already, so that's nothing new. Um, a disc takes up a lot, of, lot less space than tape, okay, it's looking somewhat attractive, and it's kind of a homebrew type thing, which, I mean, that's it's being built internally, so it's not like it's a company trying to make a business plan out of it. Yeah. They're trying to do something internally to save costs. And then eventually, Flash is getting cheaper and cheaper. Move to Flash. You, you can increase your capacity and even shrink the, the amount of space that it takes up. So if they can nail down the process to... Uh, design and deploy this for Blu-ray discs, then they get most of what they need to switch it over to some sort of flash storage, um, which then not only is it low power, but you don't have to spin up time as a disc would have. You can now, it would be almost the same as having a spinning drive with the data on it, and you just instantly access it when you need it. So um, it flash would make the recovery times much faster. Hmm. Um, well, so Aaron, that, let, me, let me ask you a question. So I just thought of this when you were when you were talking. I mean, right now I think there might be some relevance to, you know, cold storage on Blu-ray because it is inexpensive and it it, it takes you know it, it consumes less energy than having a server that's that's, mm-hmm. that's sucking is. power off the grid. But as things are getting smaller and smaller and they get smaller and smaller every year, um, I think I think they just unveiled at um, oh what was that trade show that just happened a few months ago that. CES, where they uh, Intel unveiled these like tiny little nano something or other processors. So I don't know, just maybe right here and now, a Blu-ray disc kind of makes sense. 
but as things get smaller and smaller over time, when will just the size of a Blu-ray disc kind of make it irrelevant? You think that uh, that's part well, of the Well, I think equation? that's where the... I mean, flash storage has been dropping in price like crazy. So I think when Blu-ray becomes irrelevant will be when flash becomes uh, economically cheaper, feasible. Cheaper, yeah. So mm-hmm. that... Um, and I'm sure somebody could do it with flash storage. I mean, they're they're starting to use uh, they're starting to use solid state drives in enterprise environments. Um, maybe not necessarily by themselves, but using it to pre-cache data in a in a RAID. Uh, Drobo does it. They'll, Drobo has a has a uh, um, a NAS box that you put a whole bunch of uh, regular hard disk drives in it, and then you put a couple solid states in it, and it'll determine what data you, it thinks you're going to access or what data you have been accessing frequently, mm-hmm. pre-cache it onto the SSD, so now it's even faster to transfer to it. So you can see they're starting to integrate these, um, in, integrate Flash and SSDs uh, into storage plans. So it only makes sense that eventually we'll move away from Blu-rays or optical, move to Flash because it's low power. Eventually it'll be low cost, and it's extremely fast. So right now Blu-ray's got the... Maybe the low cost. I guess it, it depends. Relatively, you, you know, relative to, yeah. to SSD. Doesn't take up a lot of space. I can tell you that a disc takes up a whole lot less space than a tape. Even, even if you do double-sided dual layer. I mean, if it, that's a lot less space than. I mean, it'll uh, take, it'll take up tape, a lot less so. physical space. Yeah. Yeah. So, it it, it kind of makes sense, and especially as an internal project. I if if a company was doing this as a business plan, yeah, okay, we you know they'd be a little. That'd be odd, but it's it's just an internal thing that Facebook is doing. And now it's weird that it's Facebook that's doing it, but I guess I don't know how much storage they uh, they currently manage right now, how many petabytes they have. But um, so I guess it makes makes sense for Facebook, but it's no different than what Google does and their internal projects, or or maybe the likes of like IBM or some of the other uh, Skunk Works yeah. type stuff um, that's out there. By the way, if you, if you want a, a lesson in how cheap or or not uh, SSDs are. Uh, Try buying a, a new laptop, because <clears throat> I did that this week, and uh, they're not. Uh, I, I I went back and forth, dude. I really did. I, I talked to a lot of a lot of smart uh, programmers, uh, you know, Chris Tatton and and Fregosa and uh, uh, my buddy uh, Steve Greenblatt, and I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've got to get a new you know programming laptop because that's part of my job now. And I said, what do I need? And they, you know, good 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 information. And and one of the most common was. Uh, try to find an SSD and a solid state drive or a hybrid and um, trying to balance the size limitations of the current SSDs. Um, I think the largest I could get, um, whether it was HP or Dell or, or some of the other uh, PC manufacturers, was about 500 gigs, which is not, un, it's not a small drive, right? Um, but you compare that to, you know, you can get a freaking two terabyte drive right now. In a uh, in a laptop, if you want. So, I know. It's, but do you need two terabytes in a laptop for programming? So that's yes. No. Yeah, you do because you have to have your your audio library for when you're programming. You know, you have to have you have to listen to <laughs> <Your> music. <audio. laughs> <laughs> I, I have to listen to the to the Backstreet Boys and and uh, and um yeah what I can't think of another band to embarrass myself about. So that's funny yes. you mentioned that because uh, when I when I first came on board at ImageStream and we, we were designing these systems and you know we had to take so much care into making sure we had stereo audio you know coming out oh, of the ceiling geez. speakers and I'm like why do we care about stereo audio and one of my colleagues that was training was like 
these doctors and nurses really care about their music. And it's, you know, it's not for any clinical purpose at yes. all. It's just it's so that the surgeon can rock out when he's removing whatever tumor you got inside you, you know. <laughs> that That's <should> comforting. Be, <laughs> that should be on the, on the, on the pre-op there, you know. What music are you, are, is my doctor allowed to listen to? <laughs> no Metallica. No Metallica, no buddy. Warrant, no Weezy, you know, uh, Lice Soft, you know. Megadeth. <laughs> Insane Clown Posse. All right, let's stop. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. That gentleman right there, his name is Aaron Wilson. Uh, he is an enterprise AV and a, a, uh, a fellow or a fellow uh, technology manager. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you if they'd like to, or you could just tell people to go away if you don't want them to find you? Uh, the LinkedIn group forums, so the Crestron forums and the Infocom forums on LinkedIn. That's where I usually lurk. So very good. Uh, also with us is uh, Big Nate. Uh, Nate, how to uh, from? Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. And and how can people find you and and your uh, fabulous web show? Yeah, you can you can find me on YouTube, and that's uh, youtube.com slash bignate84, or on Twitter at bignate84 howto. Very good. Uh, my name's Tim Albright. Don't don't follow me. I'm not very interesting. But go by the website, because the guys who did it did a fabulous job on it, and it was not me. Uh, but they, they were actually keep they keep tweaking it, um, but it, they're doing a really good job with it. So uh, you'll find this show and a host of others um, – where uh, we actually are going to do a new uh, state of control here in the next couple of weeks, which is our control uh, programming show. Uh, we had a new ed, uh, ed tech last month. Um, we have a new AV social coming down the pike. Live Life is, is, is brand new this month as well. So, yeah, go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>